Hi, welcome to Tenacious Leadership, Heating the Call. I'm Dr. Ruth Anderson here with Enlightened World Network. I'm here with my colleague, Terry Angel, and we've got two very special guests that we'd like to introduce you to in a minute. Back in February, Archangel Michael gave us the title of Tenacious Leadership and asked that we acknowledge the efforts and impact of fellow lightworkers. Then COVID-19 took hold and changed how we all view the world. During these unprecedented times, it would have been easy for these people to stay frozen in the uncertainty, to wallow in the fear, and to stay stuck, to stop putting themselves out there as a teacher or a guide. But it was during these times that these folks chose instead to hone their calling and to step up from a place of heightened knowingness that their voices needed to be heard now more than ever. I often refer to leaders as someone who comes to the table. These leaders not only kept coming to the table, but because they are so in tune to the divinity and open to hearing the call, they redefined their ministries to serve even a greater good. This leadership, this tenacious sense of leadership, has made a large difference in the lives of others. Each week for this series, we will be speaking with leaders here at EWN who have devoted their time and energy and defined their lives by selfless service to others. Today, our guests are Stephen Altair and Kevin Schoeninger. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us, Ruth and Terry. Mm, thank you, Ruth and Terry. It's a great honor, truly. We, we feel absolutely blessed like everybody else on this planet who has the opportunity to stand up and give selfless service because I truly think that's what it's all about. This, this particular time we're in is all about letting go of the self and reaching out to help others. So thank you, truly. Beautiful. So Terry's going to start. Yes, welcome, Stephen and Kevin. So good to have you here with us. And so the series of questions we're going to ask you um, is concerning right now. This, this time that we're in. And the first question is uh, directed at Kevin, and I'll have both of you answer it. What are you doing during this time? What are you doing? Well, Stephen and I started this project a couple years ago of creating this um, foundation, foundational set of tools to shift consciousness. And we wrote a book together and we created an app with guided meditations and a 10-week course and we really as we, this was coming into shape we had no idea what was you know about to happen in terms of covid and and however we did have a vision for helping to shift the state of consciousness both individually and collectively on the planet and um, that's really our mission and purpose. And we started doing this on Zoom before this all happened. And then all of a sudden, Zoom was the way that everyone was doing everything. And so I, I really feel like we were just being guided um, by the greater intelligence to create this work over the last two years and then the time for it just became very ripe and the means uh, for it to deliver it 
remotely and online to anyone everywhere. And it's just been phenomenal to see that in our courses, we have people from all over the globe just participating together. And that's one of the beauties of this technology is that we have people from, well, Stevens in Japan, we have people from Australia, New Zealand, Finland, Denmark, Singapore, France, Canada, Mexico, um, really from Switzerland, all over the world participating in these courses and really doing the deep work that needs to be done right now. There's people, people are waking up to the fact that we really need a fundamental shift in our state of consciousness and the way that we see ourselves, the way that we view life here on the planet. And so we're seeing a lot of people who are really coming to our courses and coming to the meditations with a real engagement and desire to make um, big shifts in their state of consciousness and in our collective state of consciousness. Mm. I, I can thoroughly support everything that Kevin said by giving you a very simple example. In one of the groups we were in, uh, so you asked the question, you know, what are we doing? It's actually more about what we're being in terms of one humanity. So in one of the groups that we were in, uh, one of the participants in a very beautiful way, she said to the group, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to everybody and I can feel everybody's vulnerabilities. We're all feeling the same fear or the same uncertainty. And here we've got a space in which to share it. And that's what we're being. We're actually being the awareness of space. We're being awareness. At this time, there's no more powerful time to actually be the space of awareness. It's like being a mother awareness where the mother awareness is where you reach out to embrace the, the child, the children that are the aware. The child awareness is that kind of very simple and open desire to want to be the mother. So we're, we're being like that. We're being the awareness for all these great souls who are coming in and sharing their vulnerabilities and their fears and their uncertainties. And they are in turn becoming the mother for somebody else and i think that's what we're being we're actually being awareness we're simply showing the way by being exactly the sorts of things that we're talking about in a time of you know fear and uncertainty the self this identity this narrative self that all of us have that tells us stories that watches the news and imbibes all of that information and fundamentally buys into it and buys into the fear or uncertainty and you feel it. You feel it like a tightness or a closing in. That's the pain identity or, or the narrative self or the, the eye, the surface eye that many of us operate in. So that's a doing part of this awareness. But when you relax and when you find a place in which to open up and let go, suddenly, there is a different awareness. You realize that underneath this veil that we've kind of concealed this vast mother awareness with, this true space of being that we actually are. So underneath that, and this is what we're helping people to be, is to unpeel these multiple layers going from this layer of where, we're, where we just simply believe that our, the only thing that exists is this subject-object 
reality of our five senses tell us the complete story. And slowly through, as Kevin said, through these courses of subtle energy meditation, we unpeel those layers and allow people to see the subtle energies that exist beneath that. And then what's beyond that and what's beyond that and what's beyond that. And to help them to be that vast space of awareness or that vast awareness, the mother awareness that they truly are. So that's a complete shift. So suddenly your ground of being is no longer this little fearful and, and vulnerable self, which, which you need to let come to the surface. You quite often in, in these times, things come up and we suppress them. Something else comes up and we suppress them. But what we encourage people to do is uh, allow them, free them, let that aspect of yourself come up, be exposed, let it, share it, share your vulnerabilities share the blocks, share the, the energy shifts that you're feeling. And then when you do that, you can unpeel those. You can let go and you can search deeper. And each time you search deeper, you find there are different layers of being. And at some point along your path, you'll open to this true being that you are. And I think that's the one, the, it's, it's like a miracle. It's literally like watching a lotus un furl pedal by pedal and then there, there is this wondrous light of awareness in people's hearts that shine so that's that's the answer not not the answer but it's more uh, an awareness to your question thank you thank you both so Stephen and kevin it was interesting for us at ewn when COVID hit and our guides, our guidance was giving us different suggestions, different ideas of how to reach out and help people with the isolation. And um, they were just feeling, folks were feeling so alone. And for a month we were told, get out there and have, have dinners online so people could connect with that. And we were told so many different things and every two or three weeks, we would get some other new kind of guidance that kind of helped bring people along to a place of connection to each other and a feeling of safety with each other. Did you find that your, your guidance, what you were being guided to do changed as COVID progressed? Kevin? Well, I think it was um, kind of a natural progression from what we were doing a kind of a natural expansion. I really feel like as we're tuning into guidance and tuning into what life is asking for from each place, um, that this was put in motion way before COVID. And so it was prepared for this time. And um, so what we've done during this time is really find that what we had been inspired to put in place really had a place and the people really wanted it and needed it. And so the, the global meditations, um, that the group meditations we found have been especially powerful in this time because people really are feeling that energy as a collective in a larger sense. And that helps to, to, release that feeling of isolation. And also in the courses, we've found that uh, this time has really 
open people up to go deeper. So whereas when we were giving the course last year, we could probably fit it into an hour and a half each, each module. Now we're it's hard to even contain it, that people really are um, expressing themselves and engaging in a really deep way and really wanting the community and wanting the sharing and wanting this deeper uh, consciousness that is being offered. So I, I think it was more that not that things shifted, but that we had been guided previously to put this in place. And then all of a sudden it really had a, was a home for people during this time. Hmm. Steven, another thought. Here at EWN, we have been learning about quiet servitude. You two both demonstrate quiet servitude. And from reading both of your books, you have for many years. How does quiet servitude fit into the work that you're bringing to the world? Mm, it's, it's a beautiful question. And, and also to connect into what Kevin was saying and about the guidance that you're talking about. Um, I do think that this spa space of awareness that we're guiding people into because it's their natural space of it. It's a vast space. It's a space of stillness and silence and spaciousness. So the, that stillness and that silence is something that we naturally teach as part of our work. In other words, when you truly do become selfless, when this I, this identity drops away from us, then there is much much more tendency for us to want to reach out to the silence to find what is in the silence i'm i'm often drawn to ramana mahashi when i think of the power of silence because he spent many years in silence and helping people through quiet servitude or through through silence so the again coming coming back to what kevin was saying about the groups i think all of us all over the world are being drawn and asked to become bodhisattvas or, or servers of the light or servants of the light or servants for each other. If you look at what's happened, then we've been drawn much more closely into local community, for example. So there's much more of a tendency for people to be at home, to be going to just their local shops, just talking to neighbors maybe for the first time in, in a long time. You're actually being drawn into a completely different world and it's fact and in fact it's a world which is quite natural which if you look look back in the dawn of history that, that was the way that we operated so one thing that's happening in this quiet servitude and also in in the guidance that we've received we've noticed it is very very local so for example we did a um video through uh, dr cody roll which a lot of people saw and they were immediately tuned into this local community. It happened to be called a heart mind alchemy community. And along with our raising our vibration community, these have both been local communities. So the, the, the people are drawn to congregating online and communities that actually make a difference and that resonate with their heart. So community starting to take on a whole different appeal and sense and meaning. It's meaning physically, it's much more about your local community and virtually it's much more about us grouping together and actually finding the heart resonance and expressing it so that we can do it. And that in, in a sense is done through 
a, a certain quiet servitude. There, there is not necessarily a lot of spoken dialogue that happens in that, but there is a lot of communication and there is a lot of reaching out to support each other. So that is a really, both the local community physically and the local, what I call the local community online, because they really are groups of people that you get to know very well, just like we know you and Terry. It's like very, very close. Hard. I mean, I feel I know you as well as my best friend, that I do my best friends. I mean, this has been a time when people realize, oh, I can have a virtual relationship or a connection with somebody who truly becomes my soul friend. So I think that kind of quiet servitude where we actually serve the divine friendship need in each other. And we, we come to a really deeper understanding of that through these virtual means is incredibly powerful. So the local community and the local virtual community are really, really important. And the other thing is, you know, the, this quiet servitude is that this time for many of us has been like a retreat. We've actually, as a one humanity, we've had to go into retreat. Now, for a lot of people, of course, that brings up a lot of stuff, a lot of pain, because they're with maybe their families in ways that they haven't been before and all the kinds of you know, friction that comes in between family members, suddenly it's right there, right in front of your face. This is actually a good thing because it forces you to, to let this pain or unresolved conflict or whatever it is, it actually forces people to look at it. And so that kind of retreat also has the other effect of what you're speaking about, quiet servitude. We go about with perhaps a little bit more space and stillness and silence in our day, in our week, to be able to say, oh, where can I turn my hand to? Where, where can I reach out to help? What can I do for people? So my family and I, for example, support the Tibetan refugees, and we spend a lot of time helping them virtually in many, many ways that perhaps we wouldn't have had the time to do to such an extent as we've been able to do now. So it encourages people in quiet servitude to reach out. It, it doesn't necessarily mean money. Sometimes it's just to give time to make people aware of, so in this case, Tibetan refugees plight or children's plight or the abuse of animals or whatever it happens to be. Suddenly your quiet servitude can mean that you've been developing these local communities physically and these local communities virtually and in quiet servitude, you can reach out with a little bit more time on your hands and do something that truly is of selfless service. So this is the way that the bodhisattva in you wakens up and you reach out and you do things with deeply quiet servitude and incredible power. I mean, as Kevin was saying, what an incredible power we've been given. It's very interesting if you look at the analogy of stripping away the self. It's not just happening to us individually, but if you look at it, we've been asked to go into virtual communities and not as physical people, but as this virtual, in this virtual reality where we're actually communicating on a different level than we were before. And we're learning all the techniques, all the nuances, all the courtesies, all the, and all the beauty that can come of that. I mean, I think it's an absolute miracle that neither Kevin nor I, nor Terry nor I, nor you or, or I have ever physically met. 
yet we have this beautiful heart bond. Like I was speaking about the mother awareness at the beginning. We have this awareness that is just so deep. I mean, I'd go to the ends of the earth for any of you, truly, because it's such a deep, empowering, invisible connection. And it's one of quiet servitude. I'd, I'd do anything in quiet servitude for any one of you. And that's the way that I feel about this gradually growing humanity. You know, we've got to see ourselves as one humanity and break down all these divisions of conflict and border and country and just start to see the world as, as one world that, that's it, where everybody's reaching out. The sooner we do that, the sooner we'll wake up to this glorious realization of oneness. So that, that, that is truly where we're headed. Mm. So thank you. It's a beautiful and very vast question, quiet servitude. So thank you. One thing I would add to that um, is that um, the importance of practice, that what we are um, focused on is, is uh, assisting people to have a daily practice of quieting the mind and going inside and peeling away the layers of tension and reactivity and finding that calm center, that still, silent, spacious awareness that is within and all around us. It requires a persistent, consistent daily practice to access it and then to live from it. And so, and that's, that's a quiet practice. And I view it as the daily meditation to start the day is, is not just for each of us, but it's for all of us. And that that's one of the greatest services we can give to each other is to go within and find that still, silent, spacious awareness within and bring that into all our interactions in the world. And that's just collectively, I think it has an immediate impact, but then throughout the day, and as we interact with each other, that is a phenomenal service to each other to provide that space of being, to come from that space of being, that space of awareness, and to bring that into everything that we do. Mm. Yeah, I, Kevin, I absolutely agree. I, I was talking with a good friend about this, and we were both admiring, for example, the, the Tibetan reverence for the mother. And the, you know, the Dalai Lama often says that if we treated everybody as if they were our mother, then that would change the nature of our world. And I do think that, um, it, you know, exactly as Kevin is saying, when you bring spacious awareness to every relationship, if you actually are about to engage in a conversation, and perhaps it's a conversation you know might normally bring you some conflict, but you start from that still silent spacious awareness as the base, or that mother awareness where you know that you're going to reach out to the, this person and you stay in that, then there's such a, a, a different transformation, that quiet servitude that you were speaking about Ruth. And um, this good friend gave a, she described it in a very beautiful way that I think will, everybody could resonate. She said, oh, I see. She said, it's just like going into my daughter or son's room 
it's that feeling I have when I go in and no matter what their problem is, I'm going to reach out to them with that heart of a mother, with that awareness of a mother, with that spacious awareness. Like the space of a mother's heart is vast. It doesn't choose between this or that. It's just simply there. And I do think exactly as Kevin says, that if everybody listening went about their day and still silent, spacious awareness and just simply checked in. We often talk in our courses about gates, about, for example, when you get up first thing in the morning, check in. Am I in that still silent, spacious awareness? Can I simply be there in one simple conscious breath and then take a breath and see the space around you as a living, vast space of awareness? And then the same thing throughout your day, yeah. just before you eat breakfast, just when you're going to drive your car, just on your walk to work or your when you start and sit down in front of your computer. Don't dive straight in there, but pull back and sit for a brief second and let your awareness be fast. And it changes your relate. Then you, you're about to go and, and talk to your boss at work and perhaps you know that this is a relationship that brings up issues. So before you go in there, you just settle yourself, take a deep breath, fill yourself with vast, still, spacious awareness. And then you engage in a completely different way. And as Kevin says, I mean, it's an it's a incredible gift. We're, we're walking with this vast awareness everywhere. And yet we don't realize it's our foundational ground and that we can actually live our lives, lives from that awareness. Yeah, I think it's really kind of fascinating because I'm thinking about the term tenacious leadership. And your form of tenacious leadership is being tenacious in showing up for your daily practice of the quiet mind and moving forward from that place of spacious awareness, which you don't normally think of when you think of tenacious, you think of you know, loud and, and physically strong. And, and it's such an interesting dichotomy, how your leadership is peaceful, quiet, purposeful, and equally strong. Uh, I would say persistent. Instead of tenacious, just just ongoing, persistent, no matter what. This here's here's what we're bringing. This is this is what is life is asking for from this space, and so just being that, just being that every moment, just um, letting life do what it is here to do through each of us here and no matter what just 24 7 every moment tuning in opening up allowing that to come through well and everybody can do that it doesn't matter what station you're in in life it doesn't matter if you're physically well or ill, it doesn't matter if you have money or where you live, every single person on the planet can do that. It's free. Yes. Yes, it's free and it's really just connecting with 
who we are and the underlying, as Stephen said, the underlying ground of our being. And we, we get so identified with the thinking mind, especially with all the things we know, with all the things we're doing, with all our feelings, we get identified and think that's who we are. And in the practice of meditation, we start gradually peeling all that away and we discover that who we are is something of a completely different nature, that it has nothing to do with the contents in our mind and in our hearts and, and the details of interaction. It has to do with the space of awareness within which all that arises. And when we shift our identity to being that space of awareness and allowing life to flow through us, that's a completely different place to live from. Beautiful, thank you. Beautiful, I, I am absolutely loving this. I feel like I'm in one of your classes. <laughs> I'm really getting a lot from this interaction and, and from what you all are sharing. We do have another question. So can you share with us where you get your guidance and your motivation to continue to push forward? So I would say it's, it's really going back to that identity as life itself. Life is awareness. Awareness created life, and through life, life creates all these different forms, this diverse, uh, intricate, complex, intelligent network of different forms. But underneath it all, it's all life. It's all awareness expressing. And so from that, there is no pushing through. There's no, um, there may be a persistence to it, but that's the persistence of life itself. It's just allowing the flow of life to come through. There's no personal identity attached to it. It's just life is doing this. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just a place. Stephen's a place. Terry, Ruth, we're places through which life is flowing in a unique way and then together in collective ways. Mm. Yeah, that's be beautiful, Kevin. As you, Kevin, every time you're speaking and as Terry um, said, I always feel like we're in a mutual class altogether because I, I think of Kevin a bit like one of those Zen water bowls, you know, and even though the water is very still, it looks very still, but there's also this flow of water coming up in the center, like the source, that's constantly also bubbling out over the edges. So the edges are the way that we express ourselves and the source is that flow of water that comes up in the middle and the stillness of the space is where we're operating from. And as Kevin said, you know, the, the sort of, the inspiration is life itself. And for me, I, my inspiration is every one of you. Every one of you is a teacher. Now, over the last 
many, many years, I've had many teachers and many from Yogananda to the Dalai Lama to Tenzin Wangya Rinpoche to Mingya Rinpoche, but they in turn say the same thing, that as we strip away the identity that we've thought was us, you get to this vast space of awareness, this mother awareness, this infinite, changeless, timeless space. And you recognize in that, that that is the same innate essence in you, in me, Ruth and you, Terry and you, Kevin and I know it's in each of us, it's in each of our participants. And that same innate essence is fundamentally teaching the, the flow, the source of that Zen bowl through their individual expressions. And I learned so much from that. I'm constantly inspired by every word and every breath and every expression of life that comes through animals, I, I, a flower, a butterfly. So they all become my teachers and my inspiration. You know, my daughter and I were out in the garden the other day and, and she said, oh, look at the butterflies. And I said, I said, do you realize the butterflies have the same innate essence as you and I? And she said, oh, she said, I said, look, let's try it. Let's actually shift into that space of vast awareness and ask the butterflies. So we both did it. We sat and we, and the butterflies were right over on the edge of the garden. And then the butterflies instantly, the moment that we sat down and tuned into them, they both came over, they flew around between us, around both our heads, and then they went back to the plant. And my daughter went, oh, Dada, you're right. <laughs> but it was just such a beautiful uh, expression of that love and oneness that's not about one humanity. It's about our oneness with the flowers, with the animals, with our beautiful earth. I, I, I'm going to have tears soon because, you know, I, I, I feel the earth. I feel the kind of way we've degraded our mother earth. I mean, I, I'm astonished that humanity would even consider that. I'm astonished by what we do to our animals and the suffering we inflict on them. And then not to mention women, children, you know, men and women around this, this planet, what we do to each other. And when you operate from that heart of awareness, this vast awareness that Kevin's talking about and that I'm sharing with, with this mother awareness, with this vast understanding of all that is, you simply cannot operate from a space of ignorance. So that you start to recognize that we are our inspiration. You're my inspiration. You're my teacher. And you also, with help, are going to all touch and feel exactly the same freedom from suffering, space, vast space of awareness, this unconditional love, this, these wings of emptiness and compassion because emptiness isn't empty it's actually filled with this vibrant clear luminous awareness so all these aspects just start to come into our consciousness we we start to realize what as kevin said we realize what we are imagine if you realize you're a vast space of awareness with all the infinite potential of the universe in you why would you ever consider doing anything that would ever harm another being it just, it actually simply won't arise anymore. Harming other beings comes out of ignorance. And when 
ignorance disappears because this identity that we've built around ourselves that believes somehow that there is fear and that there is aversion and that there are challenges and grasping. When, when we let go of all that and when we truly touch this fast space of awareness, then all everything else disappears. It just vanishes. And then we're in this space, exactly as Kevin was saying about, we're in the space of life itself. We actually live with the flow of life and you see, feel, hear, you, you touch life itself flowing through you, just like that source of water in the Zen bowl. And you cannot act any other way. You simply can't because life is flowing through you. Why on earth would you harm life? Why on earth would you even speak an unkind word towards life? And life is flowing through you and me in identical measure. It's, it's innate. So that's the inspiration. As exactly as Kevin said, the inspiration is life itself. The inspiration is the source of life and the flow of life. And when you're in that flow, you act because you're acting in life. You're being life. You don't actually need to do anything because it just naturally flows and you just act according to that flow. So that, that is the inspiration, that source, the flow of life and in each of you, everybody listening. Wow. <laughs> I love this conversation. Would, would you like us to ask the questions? <laughs> <laughs> and also coming to silence. That's where, what you arrive at, is exactly as Kevin was saying, this vast space of awareness, this stillness, this silence. You get to a point where that, just like Ramana Mahashi, that's actually all you need to do. Just take some time to be silent. We often speak about, I was at a, conference some years ago with a very famous Harvard lecturer and he was talking about the languages of the world so I put up my hand and I said there's one language you haven't mentioned and that's the language of silence and he looked at me and he said you know there's a whole thesis in that one I said yes because we don't speak about it just like we don't speak about the language of awareness we also don't speak about the language of silence and the language of silence is very deep and profound and vast. It's the language that lies in between the stars. It's the language that if we listen, we can actually hear the universe itself speak to it, us because that's the language that the space between the stars speaks in. And so when you're truly deeply immersed in that language of silence, you actually realize what all the great masters have ever spoken about that, you know, be still and know that I am that, or I am God, or I am that, that I am. That's, that's what, and, and to do that, it's simply being still, exactly as Kevin was saying, still, silent, spacious. That's, that's, those are the portals, and that's portals of the body, portals of the speech, portals of the heart or mind, you know, we need to understand, as Kevin said, it's very much about practice. We need to be able to still the body, just as you're doing now. If you listen to this and you listen in a whole different way, if you really listen with the ears of stillness, silence, and spaciousness, then you, you, you relax your body. You take time to check in. Is your body comfortable? Are you feeling comfortable? How often do we do that? You learn the language of the body. And then when you learn the language of the body, you allow the body to become still. And then you learn your own inner language, the language of your speech, your narrative self. Because we do need 
the narrative self at some points to actually act on our behalf and express. So there's a certain point of that narrative self that when you understand it, it acts from spaciousness, from vastness, from stillness. And it speaks from the space of awareness. So you learn to understand. You let go of the pain part of the speech and you come into the wisdom aspects of the speech, which is an entirely different reality. I wouldn't even call that the narrative self any longer. It becomes a source self that speaks. And then it's the same with the mind or the heart. You start to strip away all the things that you've thought and felt about yourself because you start to see right to the root of thoughts and feelings and perceptions. You start to recognize them right now as they arise and they rise out of stillness, silence, vast spacious awareness, out of clarity, out of luminous awareness, out of this mother awareness that can embrace all beings with unconditional love 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can do it because it's your natural state of being. It's just that you've been told and you've believed something else for a very, very long time. So as Gavin says, there's a lot of habits that you need to practice to just break down. It's quite easeful. I mean, when you consider about it, unconditional love is your natural state of being. So why would we want to act in any other way? But there are old habits and you start to recognize them and they come from karmic predispositions, maybe influences. I, I was with a group of teenagers and we were helping them understand that enlightened leadership. And we spoke about things that had affected them. And they told us many, many examples of how they'd been told things by teachers or parents that they believed they took on as constructs of this identity. And they believed it right up to this point. And then in a very short, simple example of using still, silent, spacious awareness, you can help people to unpeel that and unpeel the boundaries. Because that's all they are. They're just simple things that we set up in ignorance, simply, because we haven't realized our own innate essence or our own vast power of being. So it's really uh, such a precious human lifetime that we live. And there's such a great opportunity for us to dedicate all we do to, uh, for others to actually do this truly and live from that vast spacious awareness, live from unconditional love. I love that, Stephen, that unconditional love is our natural state of being. I love that. That's great. So we're going to wrap up here, but I know with your Raising Our Vibrations platform, how do people learn more about you both and sign up for your classes if they're interested in doing that? So there's our webpage, which is raisingourvibration.net. And on there you can find information uh, about our book and our meditation app and also the 10 week course. And we are going to be offering that 10 week course again, beginning September 19th and registration is open for that. 
and it's a 10-week course in subtle energy meditation but it's really a course in going inside and and peeling away the layers and finding that deep essence of still silent spacious awareness that we all are expressions of and so it's much more than meditation it's really a complete self-development uh, or self-release <laughs> program and and then we have our facebook community raising our vibration community page on facebook and that's uh, we do daily posting on that we have a wonderful growing community of people who are dedicated to being a shift in consciousness to being that and Stephen, do you have anything to add mm. to that well, well, I was just thinking, you know, as you're mentioning this, I mean, truly, we, we are each other's teachers. And obviously, Ruth and Terry, people can come to you. But not only that, we've got many up-and-coming teachers ourselves. So, for example, Holly Erin Copeland, if you find her on Facebook or through our group, she'll be able to tell you from her personal experience how she's found this practice. Like, So it's actually very often useful to get somebody else's perspective. If you come to us, we'll give you our perspective, but the, these um, great souls are actually liberating themselves through all these different experiences and they are truly inspirations to us. So another person's Connie Mitchell, another person's Kifa O'Sullivan, another person is Ebi Hirsch. So there is a variety of people that you'll find in the community there that are actually stepping into wanting to teach the practices that we're doing and who are, you know, exemplary, exemplary examples. There's a lot of people in these groups that we're a part of that you'll find on, on other communities, raising our vibration community, um, heart, mind, alchemy, and you can ask them yourselves and they'll give you a very personal point of view. So I often think that's a useful way to connect with people and to, help them to understand the work they do because they they're very much our teachers too they are bringing to us their perspective enlightening us with their minds so there's a there's a core group of people that have been with us right from the beginning of the course and if you ask us for some of their names and they agree then i'm sure we could give you those people too you'll find an advisory board on our um home page and you can look at some of you can contact some of them because they're truly enlightened souls who have given so much to this work very willingly in that quiet servitude that you've spoken about. So, yeah, I do think there's a great, uh, it's, it's a great way to connect with the heart of this work by connecting with the heart of the people who have been through it with us. And there's a lot of comment. You'll actually find the comments from them on there, but, but actually to connect with them personally is a beautiful thing to do. They're wonderful souls. So that's, that could be of help. I'd just like to say one more thing uh, about, we started talking about this time and, and so how has this time changed what we're doing? Really, I believe this time with COVID is an unprecedented opportunity to shift our state of consciousness. Because if something doesn't stop us in our tracks, we're going to keep doing the same things we've always been doing and continue to uh, harm the earth and harm each other and live from this small 
individualistic uh, sense of self. And so I think this is the greatest gift that we have right now is that we've been asked to stop and pause and go within and find a deeper source of identity and awareness. Beautiful, thank you. Kevin and Stephen, from somebody whose heart you have touched, I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for continuing to come to the table in the quiet, strong, gentle, yet persistent ways that you do. You two are such treasures and I, I just appreciate you so much. So on behalf of Enlightened World Network, Terry Angel and myself, thank you. Thank you so much. And all of, our, all of our viewers, thank you for being here with us. We welcome you to join us here at Enlightened World. Anytime, there's always something going on. So with that, we're going to leave you. So much love to each and every one of you. Thank mm -hmm. you and God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. We truly treasure you and Terry and everyone here. So thank you from Kevin and myself. Oh, thank you all for watching. Thank you.